join me in praying for tonight. Father God, we love you. Lord, um, guide us tonight as we deal with some heavy things, but Lord, um, the joy of salvation is what we look to. And so, God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and uh, we thank you for the cross, his life, his death, his resurrection that we celebrated last week in Easter. And so, Lord, I pray that you would guide our conversation tonight, that your spirit would be amongst us, within us, um, above us, below us, all around us. We know that you're everywhere, Lord, and so even though you're here, come. And all this we pray in your son's name, amen. All right, so um, yesterday in our community, we experienced a, a, a tragedy. Um, there was an eighth grader at Thompson Middle who um, took her life. Um, and so I want to address this for two reasons, okay? Two reasons. The first is because many of you have been affected by this, possibly were friends, um, knew her, were acquainted with, passed her in the hallways, um, um, know somebody who has been affected by it or will be affected by it. Some of you may be struggling with suicidal thoughts yourself. Um, you know someone who is. You know a family member in which it affected years ago. All of us in this room, at some capacity, almost 100% of us probably have dealt with suicide at some level, whether it's with ourselves, with friends, with family, somebody we know. And so to think, to think that we're removed from this tragedy uh, would be uh, ludicrous. And so there are a couple schools of thought that I really wrestled with today as far as dealing with this. One was, I don't want to make much of what happened so as not to make it a big deal um, for the sake of those who might be struggling with it, thinking, oh, if I go through with this, then I can get my own service dedicated to me for what I've done. Um, that's not, that's, that's not, I mean, I, I get that. I get, like, the scare in that. But I feel like it's worth hitting head on, and here's the reason why. You need to be equipped. That's what we're here for. We're here to be a training ground and equipping ground for you to know what the Bible says, to know how to think biblically, to know how to center your life around Christ. And so if you're struggling with, you don't know how to, how to mourn with those who mourn, as Jesus said. You don't know how to deal with your friends who are, who are trying to cope with this tragedy, and you need answers. And so that's what we want to give you tonight, urgently, because if we waited a week, you might have already had a bunch of conversations that you might not have dealt with very well. And so we want to equip you to, do, to deal with well. And ultimately, y'all, you have the spirit. So let me just give a, a precursor, a caveat with this. Just because you don't have the spirit within to guide you, and sometimes you're just going to stumble, you're going to say something stupid or insensitive, and I get it. Don't beat yourself up about it. But just pray that the spirit would allow whatever words are, like come out of your mouth that whoever needs to hear them will hear them, and whoever doesn't will not hear whatever you said that was foolish. Does that make sense? Okay. So, I want to give a couple things, because here's the deal. None of, this, none of our, us are removed from this. In fact, here's just a few statistics. Every 100 minutes, a teenager commits suicide. 27% of high schoolers think about killing themselves. 8% attempt it. 10% seriously consider it, and 8% actually have, an, have a plan. 30,000 Americans 
5,000 of them teenagers committed suicide just last year. Up to 100 times more attempts than suicides with teenagers. Most of these happen between 3 p.m. and midnight. Girls think about suicide twice as much as guys. However, 80% of suicides are committed by boys. Suicide is as high as the second leading cause of death amongst teenagers and young adults. It's tripled among teenagers since the 70s. So, first thing first. I'm not, a, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a professional counselor. I'm your youth pastor. And so, understand that, that is my role to you. And so, that is why I, I want to see you equipped and, and see Jesus at the head of everything that we talk about tonight. Because that's what my job is to do, is to point you to the scriptures which point to Jesus. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to give you a bunch of therapist advice. I'm, I'm not going to give you a bunch of counseling advice. Even that's part of my job is some counseling. But my main job is to shepherd you and point you to Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. Okay? And I really see um, two main questions that are often asked when suicide or tragedy like this happens. One, how do I help out in a suicide situation? How do I help out in a suicide situation? Whether it be with friends who are mourning this, or maybe you yourself, or a family member, you know the family, and like you're just, how do I help? I just want to help. Like that's second nature to us in a tragic situation, even if it's not suicide, any kind of tragedy, we want to help. So, like, what can I do? I just want to help. It's just innate within, especially guys. What can I do to help? And you just want to help. And so that's the first question that's usually asked. And there's a few things. And the, the first thing I'd say is mourn the loss. Don't get caught up in the detail. And so if you're asking, second, the details don't matter. And so if you're asking a bunch of questions like, well, how did it happen? Why did it happen? All these, all these details that you want to know about, forget it. Just mourn. A life was lost. So you mourn the loss. You mourn the loss. And second, piggybacking onto that, be with those who are hurting. Be with those who are hurting. The church is often called a hospital for the sick. And I'm not talking about just this building. Like when you enter in and you come to Centric, yes, this should be a hospital. But ultimately, like the local church is a hospital, but also the Big C Church, which is all of us. If you're a Christian, you're a part of the church. So we've got brothers in Africa and Asia and South Africa and everywhere all over the world who are we're all a part of the church, the Big C Church. And so the church is a hospital. And so we should be a people in which people who are broken and hurting and sick, no, I can come to them to get well. They know the ultimate physician, which is Jesus. And so we are Jesus to a broken, sick people. And so we just be with those who are hurting. We just, just, and let me just say this, just listen, just be present with them. They don't need to know about how God is sovereign and and he's working all things together for the good of those who love him, Romans 8, 28, just yet, unless they ask. Don't just come at them with a bunch of theology, theological truths, which are absolutely true. And just don't come at them with a bunch of scripture. 
Just listen to them. Just be present. Just be an ear. Just mourn with them while they need to be mourned with. Just let them talk it out. Now, if they start to ask questions, why did this happen? Like, you can start to give some answers from the Bible, but don't just come at them with a bunch of, hey, look, I know you're hurting, but listen, God has a plan. They don't need that. They need to just be, just to listen. They just need to talk. They just need someone to sit with them and cry. Just be an ear that loves them. Protect them. Don't play the blame game. We're about to talk about this in length here in a little bit. But there's a show, there's a TV series that I, I wrote about on Facebook as a warning. And I, I'm, I don't, it's, it's, I don't know how anybody doesn't know about this show at this point. But 13 Reasons Why has, that was released a few weeks back. And the whole show is based around the blame game. This was it. And so, instead of getting caught up in whose fault was it? Was it hers? Was it bullies? Was it, we don't know any of the details. We don't need to know the details, and we certainly don't want to get it caught up in a blame game. We just mourn with them. Defend the family by not sharing details. When you walk around school and talk about, have you heard? Did you hear about how it happened? Did you hear about this? Did you? And when you begin to spread the details, which is gossip and sin, you are attacking the family. Defend the family by not sharing details. Protect them. That is their pearl to share, not to be trampled on. Keep it off social media for the love of God. Do not tweet, do not Facebook post, do not Instagram post. I would highly recommend you not to do that. There's a reason why face-to-face interaction is much more personal and meaningful. And so... Let your interaction, let your mourning not be on Facebook. Let it not be on whatever social media it is. You don't need to post pictures that you had with this person. or You don't need to do this and say how much, you know, rip. You don't need to do that. It's just, it's just unnecessary. Pray instead of putting things out there on Facebook. Put your face, as I've heard it, put your face in the book. And reflect on scripture and pray for them. Ultimately, speak truth. Speak truth into the broken lives that you come across who are hurting about about this or future tragedies. Ultimately, y'all, that's what counseling is. That's how you can be when the time comes and they ask to hear your voice, when you do get to speak, you better be ready to speak truth, which is why we're doing what we're doing right now. I want to equip you with truth so you know and you're, you have an answer to which you believe, to the faith that you believe in. And so when the time comes, speak truth. Don't add to the situation with drama. If you, if you, 
feel like I, everybody else is crying. I should be crying. You don't need to add to that. If you, man, everybody's working everything out in their own capacity, in their own ways. Then there's no need to add to the drama by slandering, by blaming, by doing all the things that we have already talked about. Don't add to the drama. So that's, that's the first question. How do I help in a, in a suicide situation? Second question, where is my hope if I am suicidal? Where is my hope if I am suicidal? The reality is, many of us, even in, possibly in this room, have thought at some time about what if, or seriously struggle continually with, with these thoughts. And here's the deal. Here's some of the major motives that I've kind of come across um, or could think of when dealing with suicides. And, and the whole point of us dealing with this is to give hope. It's hope. First, I have a rough, rough family life. Whether it be a broken home, something happened, abusive home, there's, uh, you know, a divorce, um, whatever it be, I don't know, whatever, you're just home, is just, maybe it's a, it's a, it's, everybody's present, mom and dad are in the, in the house, but there's just so much fighting, you feel belittled verbally, I don't know what it is, but you just feel like there's no love in your home, and so it's worth just ending it. There's hope. I want to meet all of these reasons with the hope that Christ gives. God is a perfectly loving, heavenly Father who loves you. Ultimately, you have, a, you have access, and if you don't know, God is Father because you have not been brought into the family by faith in Christ through His grace on the cross. I want you to know that you can have a perfect family tonight. My family's jacked up. All I want is a dad who loves me. All I want is a functional home. Heavenly Father who will never leave you by coming to faith in Christ and having a heavenly Father who will never leave you, never abuse you, never forsake you, never verbally, physically, sexually hurt you. Who will never divorce you. And you can know him. And have an awesome relationship with his Father in heaven. And besides that, practically, end it. End the generation sin of having a jacked up home and raise a family right, founded in the gospel and in Christ. That should be a goal you have. Man, my family's jacked up. I'm going to raise a family that's not jacked up. I'm going to raise one that's centered in Christ. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to serve. I'm going to lay my life down for my kids. And I'm not going to fight. It's not worth ending things because of a rough family life. There's hope in Christ. It's just sometimes just an impulsive, number two. It's just impulsive. Something's taken away. Tragedy happens. You're angry. You're mad. Boom. I'll end it. There's hope. Christ is your worship. Christ is your worship. Not your belongings, not the people in your life. This is why you need a, need a firm foundation 
which is Christ. That's why he's, in the scriptures he's called is a, a rock. There's the man that builds his house on sand that's sinking. And what happens when the winds and the waves come? It crumbles down. When things get hard, when circumstances get rough, and impulse, impulsive nature comes in, I'll just end it. But the man that builds his house on a rock, which is Christ, is unshaken. So think about Christ as your rock. Pressure, man, I, seriously, here's where I can't relate to you as much. Having only, I'm only 10 years removed from high school. But like, in that span of a decade, the pressures have amped up to a whole nother degree. Grades, sports, test scores, uh, performance, success, getting a job, having to know what you're going to do when you're 18. What? Like, I, just the pressure of life, mom and dad's expectations, everything, just pressure. And so it's just like, forget it. I can get out of this pressure if I just end it. Christ is your comfort and your full acceptance. There's hope. There's hope. last resort, when you feel like you have nowhere else to turn but to just escape, Christ is your hope. Turn to Christ. That's why we have the church, too. Turn to the church. And here's the bottom line. Unfortunately, the church fails because we, we're a hospital full of sick people, right? Even though we've been saved from our sin, we continue to jack things up. We continue to stink, and we continually need to come back to the great physician. Even though our salvation is, is done, signed, sealed, delivered, we still sin. And so sometimes if you come to a Christian brother or sister and they fail you, I'm sorry, maybe that's been your case. Maybe you've been like totally hurt by somebody in the church, whether it was a pastor, a leader, a staff member, whether it was a small group leader, whether it was a friend, a peer who claimed the name of Christ and they hurt you. I am sorry, but look, here's the bottom line. This is why we exist as a student ministry, to be a place of comfort, a safe harbor for weary souls. Ultimately, come to Jesus, but hopefully you'll find hope in a place like this. Extreme emotions, when you just feel like you just can't handle the hurt or pain anymore. No stage of life, developmentally, is more manic than the one that you're in. Especially you ladies. I'm just kidding. It's just highs and lows. I mean, it's just like great day, horrible day, great day, horrible. You're all over the place. And so at the, you know, at the pinnacles and at the lows, when you find yourself at that extreme low, it just gets the best of you. What you need to understand is there is hope. Christ is your peace and your comfort. He is your stability Amidst your manic emotions, turn to Christ. Accidental, like accidental suicides happen a lot. And so let me be careful here. Sometimes it legitimately is accidental, but sometimes it's, it's because it was accidental. They didn't mean to kill themselves, but it was because they were being stupid with like a gun. Jesus is your wisdom. Be smart. 
be wise. Don't put yourself in situations where it can happen accidentally. Shamed. You've done something horrible, something that if your parents ever found out, if your boyfriend ever found out, if your friends ever found out, it would be too much to bear. And so you feel all this shame. And so it'd just be better not to face that shame and just better to be act and I just don't even want to face it anymore. I, if you miss anything, hear this. Jesus is your full forgiveness. There is, Romans 8, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. When God looks at you and you're in Christ and you're covered by his grace because you've put your faith in what he did for you on the cross and all your sins are washed away, when he looks down at you, he doesn't say, sinner, shame, awful. He sees my beautiful son's righteousness. And there's no shame, there's no condemnation. Come and he welcomes you with open arms and he hugs you like a heavenly father does. There's no shame. You don't have to end things. You can have true abundant life with a heavenly father who doesn't shame you. If you turn to Christ, there's hope. Recent loss. Someone you know has passed away and you just are not coping well. Jesus is your wonderful counselor. He is your ever-present help in your time of need. He tells you, when your burden is heavy, my yoke is light. I can take that from you, that coping that's just not going well. Just throw it on me. I can take that for you. He's your counselor. Copycat. When you want recognition because you saw that that suicide got recognition. And here's where I want to talk about this series, 13 Reasons Why. First of all, I want you to see that Jesus has your like, full attention. You don't need to get attention by killing yourself. Jesus has your attention. That's all the attention you need. But to address this show... Some of y'all have already seen it, possibly. Some of you are thinking about watching it. Some of you have been forbidden to watch it, and you're thinking, well, mama don't know, won't hurt. I'll go watch it at my friend's house. I'll go watch it on my friend's phone at school. I'll go do this. I'll go do this. I'll find a way, because everybody's doing it. And I want, you, I want to highly, highly discourage you from watching this show for a few reasons. One, it's incredibly graphic in its nature. Countless F-bombs, first of all. And if you're like, I hear that all day at school. <clears throat> I'm sorry. But you do not need to fill your mind with that. It's graphic in its nature. There are two scenes that are just awful. Dealing with sexual assault. And I'll just leave it there. I won't go to the extreme words. But it's terrible. It's awful to watch. It does not need to be seen by any eyes. It's, it highlights a lot of drug use. 
it highlights an entire episode around um, this pornographic scene. It highlights, ultimately, it glamorizes suicide. There is a scene that depicts no holes bars, the full suicide scene. And it's awful. No eyes should see it. And when you feast your eyes on this, like any other movie that has these contents, I would say don't do it. Instead of fixing your mind on that, fix your mind on the word. Instead of feasting on what is sinful and dark, feast your eyes and feast your mind on the word. If you're thinking, well, this will help me in conversations to understand people and how they're doing and and this will help me understand why I shouldn't bully and how to... What, what do you think you have this for? This helps you understand that. This helps you understand the mind of Christ. You don't need a show to tell you that. You need the Word. It glamorizes suicide, and this is my greatest fear with it. One of your greatest problems as a teenager is you don't understand the finality, the mortality of life. I'm going to live forever. This is why you don't care about, it's hard for you to think about keeping your grades up for college, some of you. It's hard for you to think about a future job and how what you do right now is really going to affect your future. Because you don't think about the finality of life. You don't think about the mortality of life. You don't think about how every moment matters and how fragile life is. And when you commit suicide, y'all, like, it's over. You don't come back. You don't get to watch your 13-show series and have flashbacks and get to look at the dance with the crush with the boy. You don't... You don't relive it. You don't, and this is the whole problem with the show. Is it makes you think that, ah, I'll get my point across this way without any consequences because you're watching it on a TV screen and it's not real life. And it blames everybody else besides the victim. And here's where a worldview crash we have with, with culture. The world outside of Christendom says the problem is your circumstances. The problem is your family. The problem is everybody else. The problem is your teachers. The problem is the pressure of grades and everything. The problem is everything we just talked about. The problem is everybody else. The solution is strength within. If you fight hard enough, if you, if you try hard enough, if you overcome with songs like, this is my fight song, and if you try hard and you work to overcome, then you can succeed. You can beat this. And that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says the problem is you and sin. The solution is outside of you, and that's Christ. The problem that you have is you are a sinner in need of something outside of you because everything that you try to do to repair your brokenness, 
to fix your circumstances, to overcome it by fighting and trying really hard, doesn't work. The only thing that works is the great doctor, Jesus. That's all I want to say about that show. Don't watch it for the love. Now, let me say this. If you've got friends who are watching it, don't shame them. Oh, my youth pastor said don't watch that show. You're going to hell. You're a sinner. Don't do that. Like, seriously, I, I mean that. Like, don't shame people for going and watching. And if you've already seen it, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to say, like, oh, you're a sinner. Sorry. Like, but just know, like, there's wisdom behind not watching it. And, and if you have friends that are talking about it at school, man, leverage that as a conversation to talk about Christ. It's an opportunity for the gospel. Instead of shaming them for watching it, saying, yeah, man, you know, the saddest thing about that show is that girl had no hope. Man, I know where the real hope is, and that's Christ. It's bullying. When you're rejected and made fun of, there is hope because you have a Savior who was bullied in the ultimate way on the cross, stripped naked, made fun of, beaten, driven nails in his hands, crucified, crown of thorns, had a plaque above his head that said, king of the Jews, king of kings, making fun of him. You talk about bullying, doesn't get worse than that. And so when you're bullied, if you're being bullied in here, listen to me, if you're being bullied in here, I want you to know you have a savior who knows how you feel. He was rejected, despised. But here's the deal. Look to him for hope. Not a weapon that ends your life. Don't look to suicide for your way out. Look to Jesus because he says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Life just sucks. Maybe that's your other reason. When you feel like you don't deserve life, you forget this life. Everything's stinking. Everything's just awful. Jesus is your purpose. Three steps if you're struggling. Ask for help. Don't be too proud. Don't be afraid of being put in a place you don't want to be put. Ask for help. For the sake of your life, for the sake of your future kids' lives, for the sake of your parents' lives, who would mourn you, for the sake of your friends who would mourn you, for the sake of your eternal life, ask for help. Learn biblical life skills and how to handle every situation. Learn what the Bible says about how you feel. And then third, live for Christ and not yourself. At the end of the day, yes, pride is at the heart of suicide. Y'all, pride, like humility is not thinking less about yourself humility is not thinking about yourself like pride comes in two extreme forms one the cocky side i'm the man and second i'm awful i'm terrible i can't live up to anybody's ex who are you dwelling on then self instead humility says focus on christ focus on others 
love God, love others. It's a great commandment. So that's what true humility is. Not thinking less about yourself. I stink. Let's end it. It's think about Christ and how life is worth living. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain because I get Christ. And here's the deal. Let me close with this. I found through many others who've dealt with tragedy, even suicide, that it's, and listen to this, it's much more helpful to focus when you're trying to cope, to focus on the hope we have, which is God's grace, than to dwell on the reasons why something happened, reasons why she took her life, or if they were saved or not. It's much more helpful to focus on the hope that we have. The Bible never says not to grieve. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say we do not grieve because we have Christ. It says we do not grieve, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, as those who do not have hope. So you grieve, but you do so in a way that shows I have ultimately a hope that surpasses all of this earth's understanding. Because my hope is not in this world and what I've lost. My hope is in Christ and what's beyond the grave. Don't think I'm wrong for grieving. Grieve well. Cry. It's okay. But grieve in a way that shows Christ is enough. The bottom line is, I just want to answer this really quick because I know this has been a question I've been asked a lot today. I don't want to get into all the theological mantra of it all. But here's the deal. No one enters heaven without trusting Christ. The good news of the gospel, though, here's the deal, is that he who began a good work in you, Philippians 1.6, will finish it. He will perfect it to the end. So it doesn't matter what your dying moments are like. What matters is, did you put your faith in Christ? And if you did that, you're saved, secure, When you are saved, you cannot lose that salvation. That's the most beautiful truth because here's the deal. If you died right now and you were off in la-la land thinking about lustful thoughts and you died right now, but you were a Christian, you were saved and you were showing fruit, does that mean that you're going to hell? No, because you cannot lose your salvation. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what Philippians 1.6 says. And so it doesn't matter what sin it is we commit in our dying moments. Whether it's lying, cheating, or suicide, what matters is, did I put my faith in Christ? Suicide is not an unforgivable sin. It doesn't send you in a one-way ticket to hell. What matters is, were you in Christ or not? But what matters more than that is that you understand this. Ultimately, that is up for God to know. And not for you to discern and rehash. And were they really saved? Did they, did they do it? There's a story of three people on a cross on the day that Jesus was crucified. You remember one of them? 
He was a thief. He was rightly on the cross for what he had done. And in his dying moments, he said, Jesus, when you come back, remember me. And he turned from his sins and he put his faith in Christ in a split second. He was dead and he's with Christ now in heaven. You have no idea what happens in somebody's dying moments. Split seconds even. Faith in Christ can happen. And so it's up for God to know. And I'll end with this testimony, and then we'll close in prayer. And I want you to know something before we end here. If you're struggling with this, if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, if you are having trouble coping with things, if you need counsel, you need an ear, you just want to talk, you just want somebody to cry with you, come, come to me, come to your small group leader. We're going to leave some time at the end of tonight. And if you need to text whoever it is, your parent, your guardian, your ride, I need 5 to 10 minutes, I need 20 minutes, I, however long you need without being unreasonable with your parents and your curfews. I need some time to just, I just need to mourn with somebody. Now, I, I'm here, okay? I'm here. If you have questions, whatever it be. Your leaders are here, we're here for you. Here's a testimony from a former student I had. I was raised in the church all my life. and was considered a leader among the, highs, the senior high uh, of my youth group. Up until my senior year, everything seemed smooth sailing, good grades, active in sports, large body of friends. I was even considering attending Boyce, which is the undergrad of Southern Seminary, to become a youth pastor. Then, the world, then my world was rocked by an event I could not forget. My life has not been the same. One night, which was the last day of Disciple Now of my senior year, I was laying awake in the basement of one of the pastor's houses late into the night, caused by no other reason but Satan's murderous intentions. I could not stop thinking about leaving the house, hopping the fence, running out in front of the truck on the nearby highway. The thoughts were not persistent. However, they seemed to be reoccurrent for no particular reason. After my first fall semester at college, I hit a wall of depression and anxiety. Needless to say, I was very confused. I once had everything, but now my life fell apart. I could not go to Boyce because of finances. My friends all went away to college. I could not concentrate, remember, or think cognitively anymore. On top of it all, I quit following Christ. In retrospect, I never did truly follow him. I sought professional counseling and was prescribed medication by my physician. Yet nothing could Stay Satan's hold on my heart. I bought his lies. The height of it was me taking over 30 combined pills of Ambien and Zoloft. My mom found me unconscious on the floor of the bathroom and rushed me to the ER. I was rejuvenated and then taken to a behavior, behavioral hospital where I spent five days. Even after my discharge from the hospital, I continued to run from God. I made a whole hoopla of poor decisions. But everywhere I turned for joy, there was never it was all inevitably closed doors. After a failed attempt to meet up with a local girl for implied purposes, I fell before God with heart racing and tears streaming. It was midnight on June 6th. I could not run anymore. I gave my life to God and bowed before Christ as Lord and Savior. The Pharisees once thought they had everything. For many years of my life, so did I. By God's exercise of his sovereign grace and the precious overflowing 
love he had for me, I learned that now I have everything. I once tried to take my life in despair, but now I cleave to my heavenly father and fix my eyes on King Jesus. He is my worth. He's my rock. He's my hope. Teenagers need this message of crazy, radical, divine God love in Christ Jesus. And I'll be praying for you. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for being our Abba Father who loves us with unconditional love. It's not based on our performance. It's not based on how many quiet times we had this week. It's not based on how we handled helping a friend mourn today with a tragedy. It's not based on the words that we composed that were off base. It's not based on our grades. It's not based on how we handle pressure. It's not based on the argument we had last night. It's not based on if we can get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's not based on anything other than that you just simply love us. May these students feel that love with their heart, with their soul, with their mind, with all their strength and in return, not run from you, not run from the hospital to other things that are crying to to answer their questions, but God, that they would run to you. So God, as we open up the doors right now for them to respond by running to you, not from you, would you just move? 